Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Rock and roll. Welcome in to the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Monday, June 14th. J.C. Sherbert here with you. And hope you all had a wonderful weekend. I uh, had a good weekend myself following uh, all the recruiting information flowing out of the first official visit weekend of the Shane Beamer era. These were not the first official visits, of course. They had three pretty talented guys in the early part of last week, four officials. But this was the first big weekend. Normally you do it on weekends. And um, Gamecocks, you know, as far as the feedback goes, uh, it's been overwhelmingly positive. Um, I know that normally you read recruit updates and uh, they're usually pretty positive, uh, especially when you interview them. Um, but one thing that doesn't happen that did that, that I want to I want to say is that a lot of the guys that were on campus actually did take it upon themselves to tweet and, you know, thanks, it was a great visit, that kind of thing. That doesn't always happen. That doesn't always happen when a kid visits. I mean, you get them on the phone. Oh, yeah, it was a great visit, that kind of thing. Or you interview them in person. But, you know, taking it upon yourself. We live in a new world with Twitter and stuff like that. And I don't ever say that a player's coming somewhere because of what he puts on social media, just because some of them are wise to the game about it. Some of them say good things about every school, uh, that kind of thing. So it's hard to discern. But I do believe that when you look at it, from the standpoint of unprovoked, a lot of these guys, you know, put good things out about their visit. Uh, the photo shoot obviously remains popular at South Carolina, uh, and other schools do photo shoots too. But the Gamecocks are doing it, and uh, I don't, I don't know what they do in those photo shoots specifically. I probably need to find out and, and tell you guys, uh, but they seem to be, uh, you know, pretty daggum popular uh, with the players. Uh, as far as uh, what they do when they're on official visits or unofficial visits or, you know, whatever you, you have to say. I'm um, going to go through the visitors and just tell you, like, lately, uh, lately, the latest, I guess, uh, of everything. And Gamecocks do have an official visitor scheduled for this weekend. They have one, uh, Traquan Fagans from Oxford, Alabama. It would not surprise me if there are more. Uh, that end up coming in probably won't be as large of a group as they will have in toward the end of the month on the 25th. So lots of folks visiting, lots of folks visiting. Start off with the, the commitment, Javante McClendon. Uh, he was one of three commitments on campus. Kwan Banks, the safety from Tallahassee. Grayson Maines, the offensive lineman from uh, Gwinnett County in Georgia at Lambert High School in Sewanee. They had previously committed to South Carolina, and then they got another one on campus. And this is rare because normally, and I said, I've said this a lot nowadays, it used to be like you know, players would go in, meet with the head coach, and commit on the spot right there. And, and so then you got that out there. And, and if a kid did not commit during the meeting with a head coach, it was sort of a red flag. Now, this is like 15 years ago. As Twitter has evolved and commitment videos and edits and things like that, a lot of times a player will silently commit or give the indication they're coming uh, and then wait and announce on Twitter with an edit. But McClendon committed it up right there on campus. He tweeted it 
uh, right there from Columbia. Uh, six foot two, 180 pound physical safety with a great frame from Lakeland, Florida, Lake Gibson High School. He's one of three 2022 targets there. Uh, five star athlete Sam McCall going to Florida State is one. Gamecocks are still kind of trying to work him. Not sure if it'll work. And then uh, running back Jalen Glover is a uh, another visitor from this weekend. He did not commit, but obviously had a pretty good time. Uh, and people were talking positively uh, about his visit and the uh, feedback that he gave the Carolina staff. But Javante McClendon, obviously safety is a position that gets discussed a lot around USC uh, and the program. And, and they need a you know, they need guys like this guy. You know, his recruitment reminds me of the Antonio Allen recruitment back in the Spurrier era because, you know, just like Javante, Allen was kind of a tall frame guy. Uh, just like Allen, they got him out of a school in Florida with three major prospects. Uh, and the Gamecocks got two of those from Trinity Catholic. John Brantley went to Florida. Deion LaCorn and Antonio Allen came to Carolina. LaCorn, of course, was really solid as, as First year and a half or so with the Gamecocks. Uh, then got hurt. You never heard from him again. He was a wide receiver. But, you know, it, it, it's just kind of remi- it reminds me of it. I'm not saying if this guy ends up being Antonio Allen, great. <laughs> then he is a knock it out of the park grand slam hit. But, you know, Antonio Allen was special. By the time he played as a senior, you know, this guy was one of the biggest playmakers in the secondary in college football with the pick sixes and all that. I mean, he, he was a guy that really had a nose for it. Um, didn't play a whole lot at the beginning, but developed. And, and, you know, that's the name of the game. Uh, but yeah, he kind of remind, I mean, reminds me you know, of that recruitment. Hopefully he can approach that. Uh, but he did commit it up and the Gamecocks with that verbal commitment uh, moved. Oh well, heck they moved down. <laughs> In the team rankings. So, uh, you know, he's a high three-star. I don't know how that – I guess other teams got commitments and moved up. Uh, but Carolina right now sitting on five verbals, two from Florida, two from Georgia, and one from Delaware. Of course, that's Braden Davis, the uh, quarterback recruit. Uh, so that was the only commit of the weekend. But really like McClendon. I know Torian Gray, South Carolina secondary coach, has been all over him since Torian was at Florida and really liked him. So – you know, Carolina is hopeful that he is one piece of the puzzle in terms of answering questions at safety. Uh, okay, so two guys we're no longer tracking, um, and this is a, this is this is an example. This is example A of how in-person evaluations are important, uh, and that's Nick Cole, who on film, I, I admit, I sat here and talked about how he was an under-the-radar stud and. If they could get him great and all that, well, he shows up to campus, not as big as he claims, uh, just not body type-wise what they were looking for. Uh, so he's out, or Carolina's out for him. And then a wide receiver, and I'd actually put a crystal ball in for uh, out of Maryland, Peter Kikwata. Gamecocks just simply feel like they're in on better players and they're going to get them, and so they're not going to waste time with him anymore uh, as far as that. So those are two official visitors. And, and look – this this rarely happens uh, in terms of a kid comes in for an official and they don't want him. But, you know, with uh, with COVID and missing all that in-person evaluation time, this is going to happen across the country. 
Uh, so, you know, hey, I, I said Nick Cole was really good. I really liked Kikwata. That was all on film. Uh, obviously, there's more to it than film. Uh, and so the Gamecocks are moving forward uh, without those guys. They won't be part of this class. Um, okay, Stone Blanton, uh, Gamecocks shot their shot. He had a lot of great things to say. Uh, you know, Mississippi State, to me, is still going to be tough to beat. But I, I think that as he continues to visit, you know, if anybody's going to pull him out of Mississippi, four-star linebacker from Madison, Mississippi, uh, you know, the, they're going to have to go over the top to get him and, and and completely impress him. He did meet with Mark Kingston from the baseball staff because he's a baseball player who's actually committed to the Bulldogs for baseball. Uh, and so we'll see. You know, we'll see if it emerges. I'm, you know, hesitant to sit there and, and, and say the Gamecocks have a clear path to get him. But I do think, as we said, the idea is to make him think and build a relationship and let the chips fall where they may. So I think that's the deal there. Now, Antonio Kite, uh, who was kind of a late addition to the visitors list, he's from Anniston, Alabama, four-star guy, listed as an athlete. They'll play – they want to play him anywhere in the secondary, maybe safety, maybe nickel, maybe corner, Six one one eighty. Get Carolina feels like if he doesn't go to Alabama – uh, and Alabama's verbally offered, I think they want to work him out, that they have a great clear path to get him. Now, we'll see what happens. Will Auburn step in and get him down there? Will there be another school? Uh, you know, the, the, there's a lot of twists and turns this thing could make, but South Carolina really made an impression here, uh, and I think they're right there in the thick of it. I feel probably, if, if you ask me if I felt better about Kite or Blanton, uh, in terms of being, uh, will South Carolina be able to get them? I, I'd say kite right now. Um, that's not anything that Blanton had a great visit too. Uh, but that, that's a, you know, Alabama players over the years have come to South Carolina and done really, really well. Uh, Darian Stewart and Captain Munnerland come to mind. You know, those uh, one was from Huntsville, one was from Mobile. Uh, Jamarcus King, say what you want about Jamarcus King. Everybody remembers the Mike Williams dragging him in the end zone play. But if you look back, that 2016 and 2017 team, uh, both of those teams, there were times in games he made plays uh, that that really, if he hadn't, Carolina wouldn't have won. I mean, Tennessee in 2016, East Carolina in 2016, uh, the bowl game against Michigan, the Outback Bowl. I mean, Jamarcus King, yeah, he got beat sometimes, and he, he wasn't ideal, wasn't a pro back there, but, you know, he, he was another – Alabama defensive back that that, that played well. And uh, this Antonio Kite kid is probably, you know, a little higher level recruit coming out than than some of those guys. Now, look, Captain Munderland and Darian Stewart, obviously we're not heavily recruited and obviously we're special, <laughs> special players. I'm not predicting that kind of success, but when you're trying to kind of reload a secondary, you know, this type of guy can be really, really good. Um they love Chandler C.J. Smith, 6'3", 180, uh, speedy guy. You know, I, I still think Florida is in the driver's seat even after the visit, but I think South Carolina is right there as well. He's an excellent relationship with Justin Stepp. And so we'll just have to kind of see how that one goes. But, uh, I, you know, this kid, after Carolina had him on campus and talked to him, th- th- this kid, he's, he's the th- – 
52nd rated receiver in the country. If he has any kind of hands at all, uh, I don't see this guy. I don't know that they're 51 better. How about that? Maybe 21, but not 51. Um, Ryan Brubaker, the offensive tackle from Cocalico High School in Denver, Pennsylvania. I think I said that right. 66280, fantastic visit. South Carolina's felt good about him for a while. I in, entered a crystal ball prediction for the Gamecocks, and, and I'll, uh, I put this out on the site over the weekend for VIPs. It was just a matter of people on the Penn State end saying they don't feel like they're getting him or, you know, they don't, yeah, they're not expecting him. Uh, they'd still take him. Uh, I will tell you that. You know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder when it comes to offensive line recruiting. <laughs> uh, and, and and so different coaches look for different things. Uh, the Gamecocks had a good visit. Now, now with Brubaker, too, I think Stanford, where he's previously visited, you got to always watch Stanford in any kind of situation uh, in recruiting because they, you know, they aren't early recruiters because of their admissions process. I think you have to write like a 20-page paper to get in. Uh, it's it's tough. They kind of come in late. You don't find out if you're admitted or not. Um, and so whenever a situation lingers and Stanford is involved, you really have to look at it. And he's got Vanderbilt and Tennessee visits coming up. Uh, I think, you know, South Carolina is in the, the driver's seat right now. Uh, and it wouldn't it would surprise me, you know, and Red likes that too. <laughs> I don't I, – I swear, I, I, you know. But uh, it's always fun around here, folks. But, um, you know, yeah, I think Brubaker, you know, the Gamecocks have a great shot. Crystal Ball's on Carolina now. We'll see if anything changes. Uh, moving forward, Greg Atkins, Pete Limbo, they've done a really good job with him. Jalen Glover, uh, who I mentioned earlier from Lake Gibson, the running back. Uh, you know, I, I don't feel great about any of the running backs that they're in on right now. And I say I don't feel great. I, I feel okay. You know, I, I don't – but there's not – it's not like Brubaker, McClendon, those guys where I think, well, you know, they've got a clear path to getting them. You know, I think they made Ramon Brown think a lot. Uh, I think that uh, they also made Glover think a lot. You know, Florida State is on the crystal ball. We will see kind of what happens there with everything. But, um, you know, I, he had a tremendous visit. And, and like I said, Glover's 5'7", 200 pounds. But I don't think anybody cares. <laughs> He's a ball player. Uh, so that's the deal there. So those were all the official visits that came in. You know, Carolina, you know, set a tone there, uh, you know, of the of the 13 guys that have visited. You know, obviously, Kikwata and Cole are guys that, you know, they've moved on from, you know, just based on evaluation. And then so you got 10 other guys that visited last week, seven and then uh, three. And then you had three commitments, so you got seven seven uncommitted out there that you're st you're still kind of tracking uh, from this weekend or from last week, you know, because there were the uh, the early in the week visits. So we'll see what happens. I put in a crystal ball prediction for a guy that did not visit, and if you notice, Shane Beamer had a uh, another welcome home, a number two yesterday, and I'll let you guys connect the dots with everything. 
Um, but uh, I put in a crystal ball prediction for Jamal Weish. Weich, maybe is how you say it. Uh, defensive lineman from Florida Christian in Miami. This is a guy that uh, really has nice film and a big frame, good get off, you know, big athletic defensive lineman. Will he go inside? Will he stay outside? I don't know. You know, I, I, I tend to believe this, this is one of those that could be, you know, a six foot four, 265 pound defensive end. Uh, or he could end up being, you know, a 305-pound three-technique because he's got broad shoulders and and a lot of area uh, to add weight. He's a guy Jimmy Lindsey, South Carolina's defensive line coach, has been tracking since Jimmy was at Illinois. Uh, It's it's a guy that I think, you know, some schools may be sleeping on, but, you know, he had verbal offers from Florida – Indiana, Kentucky, Miami, Ole Miss, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, UAB, and Toledo. And he he claims an offer from Bama, uh, but it's one of those Bama offers where, hey, come to camp and we'll see. And a lot of guys have those kind of offers from Alabama. So I I think that when you look at him, it would be a big pickup. He visited unofficially last week. It was an unofficial and uh, came back and tweeted out that, his recruitment was closed uh, and that stay tuned till father's day. Um, so father's day, there will be an announcement. I'll let you guys connect the dots as to who that may be. Uh, but certainly when you look at him, he's a very worthy defense. I mean, this guy's physical. He doesn't mind getting in there and mix it up. And you want that along with athleticism on the defensive line. So that's another pretty positive recruiting um, deal there so we'll kind of see what happens i'll tell you this i'll dip i don't like talking to talking about 2023 guys a whole lot unless they're quarterbacks just because you know we got a ways to go uh as far as you know that all that goes but i will say they're extremely fired up about the underclassmen they've had on campus in a lot of ways so we'll just have to wait and see uh what happens there so that's kind of the recruiting rundown um, I think that, uh, you know, so far so good, very successful <laughs> as far as, uh, you know, the feedback goes, but you know, you, you got to get guys in the boat. Uh, you got to get guys committed up and, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of what happens. You got to make sure that, uh, you know, make sure that you get them signed, you know, and, and, and I said too, like I said, uh, I don't think it's in anybody's. I think that like where previously it was kind of a zero zero sum deal. You're like recruiting a kid, recruiting a kid, building a relationship, working hard. And then he goes elsewhere. You just kind of feel like all that time was wasted. Um, I think these days with the transfer portal, uh, you know, it's not as good as signing them, but it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's something that could possibly pay off down the road. You know, it's, it's a nice consolation prize when you consider, you know, build a great relationship with a guy, maybe for some, whatever reason, maybe he wants to go someplace that wins a little, has won a little more recently. You know, maybe you get butchered in recruiting uh, by a school and he ends up going to that school and then finds out they're a bunch of liars. Uh, he gets disgruntled. You know, he can come back to you. Uh, and that's always smart if you have room uh, in the portal as well. So, um, 
I think that's that's a smart deal. Yeah, that's a smart deal. And they're already sort of laying the groundwork, you know, for 2023. I guess it's done early that way. And 2024. So I think uh, I think you can feel good about where they're at in recruiting. I, I you know, recruiting is something that you got to kind of look back on to to say is it truly something that's helping? Uh, is it truly you know that bi- making that big of a difference? Um, but you know you always want to recruit guys that have offers you know are, are highly rated or you know something. You're always looking for something. You know, and and I, I've, I've had this circular discussion about star ratings because a, a lot of times people just kind of look at the stars. They don't look at the players. They don't look at the measurables. They don't look at the film. They don't. They just look at the stars, and that's fine. That's what the star system's for, is to get an expert opinion uh, on players. You know that that's uh, and projections long term, uh, and so that that's what it's for. I mean, I, I work in the business. I I I. I I'm glad that people look at the star ratings. Uh, but I think just like with a lot of things in our world, it's gotten toxic where if you don't have, you know, there's a fundamental lack of understanding that, you know, if you're rated an 0.8988, you're probably a four star. If you're rated an 0.8981 or 0.8911, you're probably a three star. And and people act like there's this vast amount of difference between that and there's not uh, i'll say this when you get into the lower four star range i, I think that, that that's when things start to get dicey in terms of is a guy no-brainer or not uh and i'll say this right now uh i think that the three you know, i've said for years the, the three-star pool is ex- completely diluted um you know you, if there's one thing as a recruiting rankings industry that's that sucks it's it's ranking three star guys, and it's unfortunate because when I was at Rivals.com, we were pretty good at that. Of course, Rivals ranking system. Uh, I know I'm not on that network, but I, I like it a little better. You know, a guy that's worked with me for years developed it. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't think I'm. <laughs> I don't think I'm. You know, Bobby Burton developed that thing, and so I and I'm Bobby's a great guy and worked with him for years. Like I said, he actually hired me uh, initially uh, to work at rivals. Uh, and so I'm not, I'm not like pumping up the competition or anything, but you know, you look at the three, so it's five, seven, five, six, five, five. And, and, and those three categories are easy to kind of discern, uh, you know, the 10 point scale, it's really difficult because what's, what's an 87 versus an 85, you know, when you're, when you're just ranking it out. Now the composite, spits it out of a program and they take everybody's ranking and, and do it. But, uh, you know, th- there's a lack of understanding as, to, as far as what that means. And, you know, I, I saw something on the message board the other day about Brubaker and they were like, well, I only signed one four-star offensive lineman, you know, and that was Dylan Wanham. And, and I'm like, well, no. And, and that wasn't accurate. Javon Gwynn was actually a four-star composite rated guy too, but, you know, you look at like Ja'Kai Moore, South Carolina beats Penn State and Clemson on him. Um, you know, 24-7 has him four stars. ESPN has him in the top 300. But Rivals has him as a 5.5 or 5.6. And that drug him down to a three-star composite because the power of that rating sort of, that's just how it spit out. 
you know, you look at Trey Jones out of Abbeville, you know, that that's a kid that Carolina evaluated in camp and got ended up in the top 247 per 24-7 sports, but nobody else came along for the ride, you know, and, and he's a guy Miami was trying to flip the whole time um, from Carolina and, and extremely athletic, and they love him. Tyshawn Wanamaker started out as a four-star, uh, but ended up getting dropped and – He's probably better than a lot of them, you know. Jazz and Turnitine. I don't know that anybody ever dug into him. Six seven three forty and, and can move, but but those are JUCO rankings too. So, you know, I if anybody left their position in great shape, uh, it was Eric Wolford, you know. And I know running backs in great shape too, but well, Wolford, you know, you left seventeen, eighteen guys and nine guys that had started a game. I mean, that's a tremendous tremendous bunch right there so you know I I I think the four-star offensive line thing is a little bit uh, overblown but um you know that just kind of shows you too you know there's not a lot of difference you know Ja'Kai Moore you know I look back and I I see some of the guys that were ranked ahead of him in composite and they can't play dead in the movie so that's that's just kind of it so there's a fundamental disconnect there but I, I am glad people look at that um and, you know, use it as a guide. But I also think that with in this particular cycle, you know, especially with the in-state guys, it's a mystery. South Carolina offers yesterday, I think it's their fifth in-state offer. Would that be it? Um, kid out of Fort Dorchester, Demetrius Watson. Um, you know, he was in the database as a six. Two, three 250 pound guy he's now 63 287 long arms uh outstanding player you know prospect out of d-line heaven and, and and color me shocked that you know there's a big defense tackle that pops up you know fort dorchester hasn't been i mean what i would call kind to south carolina over the years but you know you do have to carry a joiner sitting there on campus who's a legend at that school uh, who's probably going to start at receiver this year. So that that's going to help. I mean, to carry on, you know, certainly can help. He's the first 4D kid in a long time I can remember coming to Carolina. They lost Robert Quinn. They lost Carlos Dunlap. They, you know, it, it's it's been it's been rough sledding. But, you know, this Demetrius Watson guy, I, you know, he, he popped up out of nowhere. So you got Watson, DJ Jackson, Nick Amarani, Kyra Corton. Um, maybe there's one more I'm missing out on. I don't know. Uh, I do think Lauren's receiver, Jaden McGowan, after talking to some folks and digging in, and again, Jaden McGowan, great 40-time, outstanding athlete, you know, checks out on film. But physically, you know, in terms of size, uh, probably smaller than we think. So that that's, you know, I, I kind of backed off my opinion that they're probably that they're going to offer him you know, just if he comes and works out again, I, I think they're, they're considering it. He's under consideration and you can't, you can't coach speed, but you know, there is a point where physically, if, you know, if, if you're not thick enough, I'm not necessarily talking about height, you know, if you're not thick enough, um, you're going to have trouble getting off the line of scrimmage. Uh, and so I, I would hit the pause button on that one. Uh, if I were some of you guys out there, just because, you know, again, 
you see them in person and it's a different story than maybe on film or just looking at numbers. But, you know, in state South Carolina, I, you know, I, I think we're finding out there's more talent in the state than people thought. Uh, I, I hope to God the people that do the rankings these days, uh, not just in South Carolina, but in all states, really look at re-ranking everything because, you know, you, you knew some guys based off film and rep, but in person, which is where a lot of this stuff, you know, evolves, you're just like, you know, I mean, <laughs> it, it, you didn't have that chance. You know, so, so how can you possibly be accurate and how can you possibly say for sure that the guys that are ranked highly now or better than, than these guys, just because you knew about them quicker. I, I don't think knowing about somebody quicker means better all the time. You know, I think that, and look, I'll, I'll, full disclosure, I'm a guy that uh, was guilty of that probably, you know, as far as everything goes, uh, you know, I tend to gravitate towards it because you want to be right. You want to be right the entire time. But if you do rankings so early in football, there's such a big delta. Guys could go, you know, what I mean by delta, if you, if you picture a, you know, a river depositing into an ocean and it's a big V-shaped thing, the V is larger, you know, so a guy could end up anywhere in that spectrum uh, of rankings the earlier you rank them just because it's football. Um, basketball is different. I, I think those guys end up being good and because, you know, basketball too, over the summer, you can see good on good with the AAU circuit and all that. So it's, it's kind of, you know, I guess easier to discern. I don't want to say easier in terms of they don't work as hard. Uh, I just think that anytime you see guys playing the actual game versus, you know, gladiator workouts and, and trying to project on film, uh, that, that's a, that you have more of a clear sight, you know, uh, you have more clear progress right there in sight. Um, so there you go. Uh, I think that's that's the deal there. And I, I'm, yeah, hey, it's, it's June 14th. They've been at this 13, 14 days, and they got 13 more days to go. So I'm looking forward to seeing who else from within the state pops up. I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said, this Demetrius Watson kid, you know, I'm looking at his arms. I mean, man, goodness gracious, this guy's built well. Yeah, and you kind of wonder how in the heck did this guy get, you know, <laughs> overlooked? And 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 I think there's going to be plenty of other guys like that. I want to tell you about our sponsor uh, that sponsors the iHelp Consulting Mailbag, and we're going to get to the iHelp Consulting Mailbag here in a second. Uh, if you're a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money, like I am. That's where iHelp Consulting can help. iHelp is a Gamecock-owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. Whether you think you're pay, paying too much for credit card processing, internet, insurance, or anything else, iHelp can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. Uh, and that's very important, too, because you, you don't want to go cheap on something and then uh, it comes back to bite you in the butt. And remember, if iHelp can't save your business any money, you don't have to pay them anything. So there's no risk. And so that's right. If I help, can't help your business, it's no cost to you. Call or text Daniel Owens, good friend of mine at iHelp. It's 843-372-5713. Or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713. iHelp Consulting, how can I help you? We're going to get to the iHelp Consulting mailbag here in a second on Inside the Gamecocks podcast. But yeah, you know, more... 
uh, in-state guys popping up. This is not uh, a surprise. Now, now people said for a while, and they were talking 2022, 2023, 2024 would be better in South Carolina than some previous cycles. And, you know, you say that, and I, I kind of thought, well, we'll see. Just because uh, Clemson's got two guys over in Greenville County they're in on. Uh, Jaleel Skinner from Greer, I think, is going to head out of state because I don't think, it, you know, either in state is really fired up about him. He's not interested in South Carolina anyway, but I, I don't know that Clemson's going to go on him. So it's, you know, three highly regarded known guys from Greenville County. So you, you kind of figure Clemson's going to get in the mix. Uh, Jaden Lucas is that guy at Malden, the corner, number one player in the state. Uh, for right now, uh, and then Adam Randall, the receiver from Myrtle Beach. But there's more than that. And, you know, you, you kind of started going down and looking, and, you know, all of a sudden guys are really popping up, you know. And, and it's not it's not kind of the what we maybe thought the second tier would be. And, and I'm not even saying these guys are second tier. They may end up being better. But my question was, it was, you know, are, are – is it supposed to be a better year in state because Clemson's offering guys uh, or, you know, is it really a deep year? And, you know, so far it looks like a pretty deep year. And then when you move forward to 2023 and 2024, there are quarterbacks out there. There's athletes out there. I mean, it's, there's a lot of players and a lot of guys on the radar uh, that are younger from the state. So that's good news for South Carolina. If the, if the talent is, cycling up within the state that's always good um and like i said i I hope that uh those that evaluate that state the palmetto state do a good job with the rankings i I think that you know when you look back through the history when the state is up they do it does produce quite a bit of of good talent um and south carolina benefits from that so we'll see kind of what happens but you know i am more of a believer now as far as the depth of this uh, recruiting cycle, 2022 in, in in the state of South Carolina than, than I was. So I'm more of a believer. <laughs> uh, and so we'll see kind of what happens. On Jaden Lucas, and, and this is not a – and, you know, I don't think what I'm going to say here is controversial. You, you may not agree with it, um, and that's fine because I certainly understand. I'm, I, I get it, but but hear me out. Uh, according to Steve Wilfong at 24-7 Sports, our national kind of reporter, North Carolina made a big move with Jaden Lucas on his unofficial visit. Uh, and Clemson's the you know crystal ball favorite or whatever. Wilfong dropped his confidence on crystal ball to one, which means I could go either way, but I'm still slightly leaning to Clemson. Um, that kid doesn't need to go to North Carolina. Uh, and if you're the Gamecocks and, and you may say, what, you know, South Carolina doesn't play North Carolina, but once and they play Clemson every year and hated rival and all that. I, I, I would be very cautious about hoping for an elite rated guy setting a precedent of top players from South Carolina going to North Carolina, at least in the coming three or four years. While Shane Beamer's building his program at South Carolina, uh, and Mac Brown is still at North Carolina. 
I, I do not think you want Mac Brown in living rooms in the state of South Carolina saying we got the number one player in the state. You know, let's get Vonnie Holiday and Robert Quinn on the phone. Uh, that kind of thing. I, I think that, you know, in this situation, because South Carolina's well behind on Lucas, they're not getting him. Um, unless there's just the comeback for the ages. <laughs> uh, he does have a relationship with Torian Gray when Torian was at Florida, but, you know, you, you just want him to go on to Clemson, which is where he's supposed to go because he's, you know, or everybody thinks because it's Malden, it's right down the road, it's Clemson area. Uh, if Clemson were a six and six football team, South Carolina would have trouble getting him. But but I don't think you want North Carolina to pop the seal on South Carolina talent because North Carolina will, will come in. And, you know, Clemson they recruit nationally. They go after all these guys that are highly regarded all over the country because they can. They're a high profile program now and all that. North Carolina is very regional based, you know, and, and they've, they've got highly rated guys, but if you look at their classes with Mac Brown, that they love, you know, the in-state players getting guys from seven, five, seven, they'll go into Georgia occasionally. You do not want them coming into South Carolina because you're going to have to, South Carolina is going to have to battle them and hold them off uh, for players that, that, that Clemson doesn't offer. You don't have to battle Clemson. Uh, and so I don't think you want that precedent to be set in Chapel Hill. Uh, you, you want that kid to go on to Clemson, I, 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 in my opinion. You may disagree with me. That's fine. Uh, I know some of you, you know, you don't want Clemson to sign anybody. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, looking at that, you know, just looking at it from a strategic recruiting standpoint, you know, the in-state programs have done a hell of a job. Uh, the last decade, keeping most of the top talent in, you know, Georgia will come over and get a guy probably every four cycles or so. They got Channing Tindall and Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, uh, although TID was during a transition. Um, you know, you have the occasional outlier like Justice Boone going to Florida, but by and large, South Carolina does a great job signing South Carolina players. Uh, and when Clemson offers a South Carolina player, they're very competitive with those guys too uh, and sign those guys as well. You know, I mean, you're looking at a program with the Gamecocks where, you know, they sign back-to-back five-star top 10 defensive linemen from the state in uh, Zach Pickens and Jordan Birch. I mean, it's not, you know, a situation where as much as, as, as things have eroded on the field, you know, South Carolina is still pretty damn good at keeping their top talent in state. You don't want it to go back to the 90s where Florida State, and Tennessee, and North Carolina, and Georgia, and then feel like, that you know, this is just a place they can come raid. Uh, and so I think that if you're looking at Jaden Lucas and you're kind of giving your Clemson buddies crap about him maybe going to North Carolina, you know, give them all the crap you want. But like I said, I don't, I don't think you need to set that precedent. Uh, not that Shane Beamer and his staff can't beat North Carolina on a South Carolina kid. I, I actually don't believe that at all. But it makes his job even harder when, when that precedent is set. So that's, uh, that's my take there on Jaden Lucas. Uh, maybe the only time you get a Jaden Lucas update here because uh, Carolina's not in on him. All right, the iHelp Consulting mailbag. And once again, 
Uh, I'm going to encourage you to call Daniel at 843-372-5713. If you're a business owner and you want to save money, the consultation costs nothing. uh, And I promise you, I I think it'll end up being worth your while. Uh, But there's two ways to get in the mailbag. You can uh, tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Or you can email inside the gamecocks at gmail.com. That's inside the gamecocks at gmail.com. Also, we have other sponsorship spots uh, in place for inside the gamecocks. It's, uh, you know, if you, if you want a one time uh, announcement, you know, those are, you know, not expensive. <laughs> uh, and then if you want to come on on monthly, uh, it's around, cost you around 100 bucks a month. Uh, which you're not going to find a deal like that in radio or anywhere else. So if you got a business or you've, if you got something to promote, um, you got a one-time shout out or something, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, probably around 20 bucks a pop, you know, if you want something like that, I, I don't know, you know, I'm wide open to any and all sponsorship type opportunities uh, while still maintaining that 98% of this thing is going to be me talking about the Gamecocks or with a guest talking about the Gamecocks or college football or something, uh, you know, not going to, not going to kill you with a bunch of ads because that's not what you guys listen to. But, that, you know, like I said, hit me up inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com, you know, for any kind of business thing. If you want to get in, like I said, it's going to be, I have a very creative approach to it, but also inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com is where the I help consulting mailbag originates from that and Twitter. So follow at the big spur pod on Twitter. And uh, first one comes in from Maverick Dan. He said, JC, if we're assuming the Gamecocks take four receivers and one of those is Antonio Williams, who are your three ideal pickups? Mine would be CJ Smith, Jay, Dane key and Jaden Gibson. Yeah, you get, those three, that'd be great, but they're not going to turn down Horton uh, from within the state, Kyra Horton. Uh, that'd be a lot of tall, fast guys, too, by the way. Um, but, yeah, Antonio Williams would be the top guy. If they can uh, – honestly, if they get one out of Smith, Key, and Gibson, that's great. Uh, Dane Key, Kentucky's going to be problematic, though I'll say this, as good of a job as Mark Stoops has done recruiting – they they still have in-state guys that leak out sometimes because it's not, you know, Kentucky, I mean, they don't produce a lot of players uh, in that state. And so sometimes guys will just, you know, if, if you get a lot of offers, you know, a lot of times you leave. So that wouldn't surprise me. Of course, Carolina's fought some battles against Kentucky up there. Remember the Drew Barker saga? Um, you know, and gosh, uh, then there was the, that running back. I don't remember his name. Or I'm sorry, the linebacker. I don't remember his name. Carolina was an old him. You know, so so South Carolina hadn't done a great job in that state. Uh, D.L. Moore, uh, who, needless to say, had a mixed career at South Carolina, uh, was kind of the last guy that, that they got from up there. And, uh, you know, like I said, I don't think he was very good, and he didn't have any in-state offers. So, you know, I don't know about Dane Key. I know they're interested, and Justin Stepp certainly can do it if anybody can. Um, but, yeah, if they can get one of those three along and they get Williams, Williams is probably the number one target. Uh, shoot, I think um, – I think – I mean, it's still going to be a good good class. But, you know, if you get the – if you got all three and then that one and then Horton, you know, that's five guys that are really, really good. 
Um, Keenan Nelson Jr. after the Penn State visit, you know, I think Penn State helped themselves there quite a bit. Um, the crystal balls rolled in for the Nittany Lions afterward. Uh, South Carolina is going to shoot its shot here in a couple of weeks, but Penn State's the leader right now. Uh, and we'll see kind of if, if Carolina can wiggle its way back in with a great official visit. He's very interested. I mean, I've, I've always thought South Carolina's top two or three for him. But, you know, like I said, Penn State visit went extremely well uh, for the Nittany Lions with Keenan Nelson Jr. Um, so we'll see there. Thanks. That came in off Twitter uh, as the I Help Consulting mailbag rolls on. And uh, that's at the Big Spur Pod, by the way, if you want to go follow that account. Also follow Inside the Gamecocks on Instagram. It's at Inside the Gamecocks. All right. So Keith says, give us three recruits that prove stars don't matter and give us three recruits who prove stars do matter. Whew. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go with South Carolina over the years. Uh, and look, I, I, I don't say this Keith. that I'm going to answer your question. I don't think it's ever as simple as stars do or do not matter. Uh, I think they absolutely do. Uh, and, and even the guys that outplay their ranking, you know, then people go, stars don't matter. I, I think they do. You know, I, I still think regardless of how you you spin it, they do. Um, you know, and, and but I, what I don't like is the toxicity that, that's, that's kind of grown out of it. And I think, too, a big problem on both ends is sometimes the highly rated guys think they don't have to work anymore, that they've arrived. Uh, and you start looking at it, and when you read some of the BS – that the national college football media writes about, I mean, they're, they're, they're already chirping about, you know, the new expanded playoff, you know, you need to pay these guys, you know, I mean, pay them for what, you know, the, the average, I mean, there are probably a handful of guys that could have gone to the NFL out of high school handful. That's it. You know, uh, 98% of college football rosters aren't even going to play in the pros. So, so, so pay them. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, what, you know, get the name image likeness thing going because I, I agree with that, but, you know, griping about playing extra games, you know, I, I, I'm getting off on a tangent. So stars do matter. And, and I think that because of the toxicity that some fans approach uh, players that are th- rated three stars. And, and like I said, the Delta is so wide with the three stars that heck, I mean, it's, it's like a, it's like a grab bag. I mean, you, you don't know with, with three-star guys a lot. And I think people like knowns quite a bit, uh, but because of the toxicity, I think it creeps into players' minds sometimes. I'm not that good. Well, that's not true. <laughs> Half the first round NFL draft picks were three-star guys. You know, it's not necessarily the case that you're not that good. Um. I, you know, I, I, I wish we'd go back to giving two stars for the majority of prospects. You know, the majority of guys out there get two stars uh, because that was the original thought that two star players made up the majority of college football rosters. And then three stars were a little bit better, were better than that. And then four stars were much better than that. And then the five stars were elite. Now it's like, you know, the five stars are, are the elite players. Uh, the four stars range from above average 
to good. And then the three stars are, are, you know, I would say the three stars are supposed to be average, but they're not. I mean, they're, they're just different. It's a grab bag. You know, there's just no way to discern when you're talking about three star players. So I'll give, I'll give you, I'll, I'll stick with the game guys who, who prove stars don't matter. Um, if you're looking at you know, guys that outplayed their ranking, obviously uh, the number one guy that always comes up is Co Simpson. So I'll mention Co Simpson. Uh, he was a two star guy. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll throw in, you know, on, on this end, you know, Hayden Hurst, first round draft pick, was a zero star guy uh, and actually developed. Uh, and, and I'll throw Debo Samuel in there too. You know, he he was a player that I had as a four star top 247 guy after seeing him at Shrine Bowl. Nobody else did. And he ended up being a low mid three star prospect. Three, three players that do Jadevion Clowney and Marcus Lattimore. Uh, I, I think when you look at those two guys, they were five-star players coming out, and they both made huge impacts on the field from the day they got there. Uh, oh, in, a, in another recruit, I mean, you could say Melvin Ingram. He was a three-star guy coming out. Probably one of the best players in the NFL right now. Um, uh, you know, so I, I'll – and L. Connorshaw, you know, you can, you can throw that in there too. He was a three-star guy. I remember watching Connor throw it at Elite 11, and he threw it really well. And nobody that, that that mattered in terms of getting him into the Elite 11 was watching. They didn't see him throw a single pass. They just passed on it. <laughs> how how crazy was that? Um, and, and I'm going to go with Stephon Gilmore because, you know, Stephon, like Marcus and Jadevian, were guys that – was a guy that started from day one – Nobody really thought he was that sure of a thing, you know, in terms of, you know, some were saying safety or whatever. But he was a big-time corner and obviously NFL player of the year. And some folks had him as a five and a top 15 player in the country or whatever. So, uh, you know, that's, and that sounds, that's kind of easy. You know, you really had to dig deep for that one, didn't you? But uh you know, there's the thing. I also have noticed this, you know, when, when you look at Will Muschamp's era, there were some guys like Ernest Jones, uh, Hayden Hurst, who I mentioned earlier, uh, Rashad Fenton, guys that were three stars that ended up in the league, Dennis Daly. But there were also, you know, with the exception of, of receiver uh, outside of Brian Edwards, also, you know, the, the kind of the four-star guys, you know, we're, we're the better players. I mean, J.J. Enigbare, four-star guy. You know, South Carolina's probably going to start two four-stars and two five-stars on the defensive line this year. Uh, maybe. You know, if Rick Sandage can win that job or, or, or talk to him anyway. So, you know, uh, I think that when you look at who the better players were in the Muschamp era, uh, although there were some exceptions, you know, a lot of times the highly rated guys were, were the better players. Dylan Wanham. You know, J.C. Horn, obviously, even though some had him as the three. <laughs> so, I, you know, that, that that could be on the matters end of things when you look back. Now, Spurrier era was different in terms of, you know, you, you had your Clownies, Lattimore's, Gilmore's, Jeffries, those guys, but you, you had a lot of Nick Joneses and Swearingers and Brandon Wilds and, and guys, Connor Shaw, like I mentioned, guys like that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see sort of. Uh, how it all plays out with the Beamer regime in terms of the star rankings. 
Mitchell says, I got a baseball question for you. This year is actually the first time I started watching both college and major league, and I've enjoyed it. Even though the Carolina season ended in disappointing fashion, I did feel like they had a good season. However, I've been reading a lot about how the Gamecocks need to get more hitters on the roster. My question is this, shouldn't the Gamecocks instead focus on establishing a good bullpen of pitchers that can strike out the batter? The reason I say this is because based on watching college and major leagues, the successful teams have a good rotation of pitchers that can hit the strike zone and get three outs during an inning. I'm not saying recruiting batters and get home runs or doubles is bad, but I feel like the game of baseball is moving into more defensive strategy. At the end of the day, I feel my personal opinions that even if you can hit home runs all day, and if you can't strike out, you're going to win championships. Even if you can hit home runs all day, if you can't strike out, you're not going to win championships. Pitching is important. And I, I think that, you know, based on what I've seen, I mean, Carolina feels pretty good about where they're at with arms in the program. Um, I think that, you know, you look at this year and Brett Carey was the closer for a while. And, you know, then he had to become a starter, you know, and, and the pitching was elite, I think, you know, by comparison. But you, know, you still had to kind of move move Carey to a starter's role at the end. Um, you know, so so I agree with you there. Uh, I, I'll, I'll say this, though. I don't think it's either or. I think you need all of the above. You need both. And I also think that scoring runs was the reason that this team got bounced from the regional. Uh, and and it's, it's a little bit disappointing because, you know, a lot of times when, th- when things were on the line, you know, when, when you had a big moment, uh, and this frustrated me about the, you know, the football era of Will Muschamp is that every time he had a chance to do a breakthrough, um, you know, you, you kind of fell flat on your face. And, uh, you know, at Texas earlier this year, you got there undefeated. You can't even scratch out a win. Now, Texas is pretty good. <laughs> uh, you know, Arkansas comes to town, and, and you do scratch out one win, but the other two you, you kind of look outmatched. Uh, you know, the, they did sweep Florida and got up off the mat. They got off the mat against Vandy. You know, so there were times where, where this team would sort of, you know, it's it set up to give you hope. And then, you know, the rug got pulled out from under you. <laughs> uh, and, and then the regionals were a, a prime example of that. You know, South Carolina battles and battles and battles Abbott in the first game, you know, with Virginia uh, and wins. And advances, and then then you have again. I mean, it, it's kind of like a broken record around all sports right now. Everybody gets hopeful and happy, and and they fill up the ballpark. And Old Dominion comes in, and you lose two to one in just a crazy game. So, all right, time to get back up off the mat again. And then you know you looked at it, and Virginia's pitching on paper wasn't you know, where it should be uh, from a starting perspective. But you, you have to remember they have their closer in the pen that hadn't pitched the, the big Rick Mailer mountain man. I mean, nobody, nobody figured that out. Like, what well, heck, we better get some runs. And, um, you know, just, just couldn't put together offense very well at all. Struck out way too much. Uh, people talk about the, the approach at the plate. I don't know the technical ends of it. But I know that, like, against some guys that other teams could hit well, South Carolina looked like swinging out of their shoes, 
swinging at balls in the dirt. You know, sometimes when I think a pitcher would get a little wild, they would just start swinging away, and and then that pitcher would find me. Yeah, it, it got. It was not a good offensive team. Let's put it that way. And uh, it, it's it's disappointing. Now look. In some situations, you can have a good offensive team, and, and you're going to have days where you, you can't hit. Uh, baseballs, people say that's baseball, sort of the law of averages. Um, look at Arkansas losing to NC State in the Super Regional. Now, I, I see a lot of people say, oh, look at Arkansas. I don't feel bad, so bad about Carolina. No, you should feel bad about South Carolina because you know what? This is a successful program. This is a national level program. It's a top 10 baseball job. And Arkansas getting eliminated should make you even more pissed off about losing because, you know, had you beaten, and now Dallas Baptist is good, folks, but had you gotten past Dallas Baptist at home in a Supers, you know, the number one seed's knocked out. So, so you have a clearer path to a championship. Think about that. So, you know, there, there, I, I think that there's no joy in Mudville because Arkansas lost. But that does show you that sometimes baseball things happen. Arkansas scores 21 runs, beats NC State 21-2, to and then State comes back and wins two, two one-run games, and, and the finals 3-2. to um, Kind of reminded me of that Louisiana Lafayette Super Regional back in 2000 when the Gamecocks were the number one seed. And Lafayette run, won that last game 3-2. to two. That's all it takes. That's baseball. So I, I'm going to disagree with you on that, Mitchell, as far as pitching goes. I I do think you're right and that you need pitching. But this team needs hitters. You know, And they need they need more athleticism, too. That that was not what I would call a fleet of foot or athletic Carolina baseball team this year. And, I, you know, baseball, you don't need – a bunch of guys running four four, but you're not going to always have a Jackie Bradley Jr. out there or or guys like that. But you you need athletes, I think. So I appreciate your question, Mitchell. As always, Noah said, "Hope you're doing well." I had a general recruiting question. Can you explain the specific things a quarterback might do to help build a recruiting class? I've always heard that having a quarterback in the class is important for recruiting players, but I've never known the specific role. Okay, no. Um, well, the quarterback, number one, if he's got a kind of an outgoing personality, you know, your quarterback's always the leader of the team. You know, you're contacting other recruits, trying to sell, hey, come with me. We can put together a great team, win a championship or whatever. Also, wide receivers and running backs and tight ends, they want somebody that can get them the ball. Uh, so it, it's in their best interest. When you sit there, oh, we got this big-time quarterback down the road, you're going to be his number one target, and he's going to be able to do it because he's talented and all that. That helps. Um, now, <laughs> I say that, but I, I think we're entering into an even more different phase with quarterback recruiting. And, I, you know, I personally think that a lot of schools need to start looking at walk-on the walk-on program, who, who who out there can we get to walk on to where, you know, if two guys leave because they're not starters and they think they should could start elsewhere because they're going to start elsewhere, you know, and then our starter gets hurt, you know, can we have a guy that can at least get us out of games and, and get us through? Uh, and, and so I think the walk-on quarterback program at, at a lot of schools is going to be very, very um, 
interesting in the coming years. Uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of what they do. And, and, and sometimes too, it's, it's not necessarily the quarterback. It's, it, it could be another guy that helps. And I call it the Pied Piper effect. Uh, so that, that that's kind of what quarterbacks do as far as that goes. Plus, it's the most important position on the field. If you've got a really good quarterback in your class, uh, that, that usually generally means good things are happening for your program. And finally, Bart says, what is the ceiling as far as team rankings for Carolina's football class of 2022? What's the floor? I think a top 25 class would be a great start to this regime, considering six wins the last two seasons. The most important thing is filling holes on the roster. I agree. Um, and, and I think as far as just plugging holes, the 2021 class, you know, ideally is that, you know, the, the, let's plug the leaks, so to speak. Um, I think this one's more of, hey, you know, you do need help at certain spots like receiver. But, you know, let's, let's go sign a good class foundationally here. Uh, you know, even even if you have to take some developmental guys. Uh, I, I think probably the ceiling would be around 19th. Uh, and I think a lot would have to happen for them to get there. I think the ceiling's probably 30. Or I'm sorry, the floor is probably 30. So somewhere in that area, um, I think. And again, so much depends on, you know, what happens with the evaluations with these guys, good or bad, you know, cause there's, there's a lot of guys right now, Carolina is probably going to end up with in the class that have not even been ranked. And so it's impossible to tell, but I appreciate you popping in to the, I help consulting inbox, Mark. Thank you so much. All right. So this has been a recruiting heavy uh, episode, I guess rightfully so. Cause that's what's going on right now. More episodes later this week. Please help me out. Go to Apple Podcast, rate the podcast, write a review. That helps the rankings. We're still number one, I think. And uh, so, yeah, go do that. Don't forget, later this week, JB at Goldwater. I will be on with them Wednesday, as always. I think they'll also have a lot of talk about Carolina recruiting and football and baseball moving forward. Uh, so don't forget, uh, you don't want to miss that. But I'll be back. Uh, chatting. Also, if, if, if you didn't hear about it, go check out the JC and Morgan College Football Podcast. Uh, Shane Beamer joined us last week. Really good interview. I know he's making the rounds with the media, so uh, that's a good thing. All right, time to go. Hope everyone has a fantastic Monday. This is JC Sherbert inside the Gamecocks Podcast signing off. <laughs>